Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the best song ever this week. A short, deep dive into a song and what makes it special. The best song ever this week. This week is Powerhouse by the Raymond Scott Quintet. I'm Scott Frampton. Ideally, we'd listen to the song together here, but I don't have the rights to it, and that wouldn't be fair to the people who do. If you like, there's a link in the show notes for a full playlist with Powerhouse and more Raymond Scott music. I've tried to make it work as a good mix, because, shoot, I'm going to listen to it, too. So let's begin. Wile E. Coyote, clinging to an Acme jet engine in pursuit of the Roadrunner. Daffy Duck, diapered by robotic arms while stuck on the conveyor belt in an automated baby nursery. Bugs Bunny chomping on a carrot before deploying a droll. What's up, Doc? Raymond Scott's music thrummed with the impish mayhem of Looney Tunes cartoons. The man who made cartoons swing, however, didn't intend for his quirky, descriptive jazz to appear in 120 Warner Brothers Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies cartoons. He composed music to solve a problem. He was bored playing the same old standards day after day for CBS radio broadcasts. The Raymond Scott Quintet which counted six musicians, was the solution he engineered. Scott was born Harry Warnow in Brooklyn, New York, where, like jazz great Art Tatum, he learned to play music by listening to a mechanical player piano. He went to Brooklyn Tech High School with the idea of becoming an engineer. In a reversal of the typical narrative, however, he was persuaded to go into music instead. His older brother, Mark Warnow, was a violinist and musical director for CBS Radio, he paid tuition to attend the Institute of Musical Art, which would become the Juilliard School of Music, and then hired Harry as pianist for the CBS house band. The younger Warnow soon tired of mere spotless execution of old favorite tunes, and set to prove that audiences would take to new songs just as well as the familiar old ones. He didn't write down music, instead humming parts for the musicians to interpret and improvise. As he put it, he didn't compose on paper, but, quote, on his band. Once the competition was set, he would then drill the band so they played the tunes exactly as composed with mechanical precision. Toy Trumpet was a hit with radio audiences. It was given lyrics and then performed by Shirley Temple in the 1938 film Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. Around this time, he took the name Raymond Scott to avoid charges of nepotism. He said the name, which he took from the phone book, had good rhythm. Powerhouse comes from the Raymond Scott Quintet's run of successful records from 1937 to 1939. By this point, Scott was recording the band's rehearsals on discs and using those recordings as part of the composition process. He would take songs apart and put them back together with passages from other songs, an analog cut-and-paste method with musicians as the glue. You can hear how he de- and reconstructed these songs in the way that Powerhouse jumps from the frenetic rhythm and gambling clarinet of the first section to the factory floor beat and martial piano of the second. The effect is merrily jarring, in a way familiar to audiences adapting to the everyday chaos of modern life. Anyone steeped in Looney Tunes, however, would hear these sections separately as discrete pieces, 
with the manic first section as the soundtrack for Wile E. Coyote's Rocket Ride, for example, and the second's assembly line rhythm punctuating Dappy Duck's diapering on a conveyor belt. Scott sold his publishing rights to Warner Brothers Music in 1943, whereupon Carl Stalling re-recorded compositions like Powerhouse, Dinner Music for a Pack of Hungry Cannibals, and Reckless Night on Board an Ocean Liner with the Warner Brothers Orchestra for use in Looney Tunes and Merry Melodies. By this time, Scott had turned the quintet into a big band. He was also the music director for CBS Radio, where he assembled the first racially integrated radio band. As progressive as that seems, Scott's musicians often complained that he was a control freak who didn't exactly regard them as people. Drummer Johnny Williams, whose son is that John Williams, who composed massively popular scores for massively popular movies like Star Wars Jaws and the Indiana Jones films, said, All he ever had was machines, only we had names. In 1946, Scott established Manhattan Research as a division of Raymond Scott Enterprises, a step toward replacing musicians with machines altogether. He described it as, quote, a think factory, a dream center where the excitement of tomorrow is made available today. There, he developed the first polyphonic sequencer. He took a theremin he made for his daughter as a toy and added keys to make it easier to play, which led to the invention of the Clavivox, an early synthesizer and sound sequencer. The first Clavivox prototype held a theremin module made by young Bob Moog, who said the circuitry of Scott's Clarivox resembled his own analog synthesizer of the mid-60s. After the Clavivox was patented in 1959, Scott went to work on the Electronium, which he called Beethoven in a Box. He spent, quote, 11 years and close to a million dollars, close quote, developing the first self-composing synthesizer. In his patent application for the Electronium, Scott wrote, the entire system is based on the concept of artistic collaboration between man and machine. The new structures being directed into the machine are unpredictable in their details, and hence the results are kind of a duet between the composer and the machine. Scott used the Clavivox and Electronium to produce futuristic and atmospheric sounds for TV ads in a series of short experimental films made by pre-Muppets Jim Henson. He also used them on his trio of soothing sounds for baby albums from 1959 to 1962. They received little interest in their time, but they are now often compared to minimalist ambient works by Brian Eno, which came a decade later. The secretive Scott only sold one of his machines, an electronium to Motown's Barry Gordy. Gordy's approach to music production was deeply influenced by his time working on the assembly line of Ford, and he was taken with the creative efficiency suggested by the electronium. Scott spent three months at Motown teaching and training the Motown staff, originally working out of a room in Gordy's house. Scott was later given a studio and was hired as Motown's Director of Electronic Music and Development in 1971, a position he held until 1977. There are no known Motown recordings featuring the Electronium, probably because it was never quite finished. When Scott left Motown, he took the machine home with him and continued to work on it and his other inventions until he suffered a stroke in 1987. He died in 1994. The one remaining electronium is now owned by Devo's Mark Mothersbaugh. It's easy to think of Scott as an outsider artist. In 1941, he assembled a 13-piece orchestra to play what he called silent music, 11 years before John Cage's 4 minutes 33 seconds. But he had plenty of mainstream success. 
He appeared on television as the band leader in the popular Your Hit Parade, a role he inherited from his brother. He scored the Broadway musical Lute Song, which starred Mary Martin and Yul Brenner and produced the song Mountain High, Valley Low. He wrote Christmas Night in Harlem, which Louis Armstrong made into a perennial favorite. The Raymond Scott Quintet was also very popular in its time. Records like New Year's Eve in a Haunted House and Dinner Music for a Pack of Hungry Cannibals and Bumpy Weather over Newark, in the words of Johnny Williams, sold like hell. Raymond Scott's popularity in his day could be because he made music that made an awkward embrace of modernity. His tight, busy arrangements radiated an anxiety that hadn't yet made it into popular culture. To audiences, his assembly line rhythms held a seeming mockery of Taylorism theory that aimed to make factory workers more like machines. Scott's music wasn't a beautiful fantasy. It provided an escape from everyday life by making its absurdities part of the composition. Like Bugs Bunny, he recognized the madness around him and invited audiences to be in on the joke. Thanks for listening. It's hard to think about Raymond Scott and not also think about the great Hal Wilner, who compiled a CD's worth of Scott's music in the early 90s. Hal was the sketch music director for Saturday Night Live. He also produced a series of tribute albums unmatched in their honest eclecticism. He got bluegrass artist Ralph Stanley to sing The Velvet Underground's White Light, White Heat for a movie soundtrack he did with Nick Cave, for example. He produced records for Lou Reed and Marianne Faithful and William S. Burroughs, among others. He was in many ways, the best of us. He died of COVID-19 two years ago this week. Please follow The Best Song Ever this week on whichever platform you enjoy your podcasts. Please tell a friend if you think they might enjoy it. These things help us a lot. You can also get The Best Song Ever this week as an email newsletter. Subscribe for free at bestsong.substack.com. Thanks again. See you next week. Each week on the new podcast, The Top 11, we pick a theme and give you the top 11. This week, it's the top 11 events of the Roman Empire. The Colosseum is a very impressive piece of architecture and engineering, but did it make the list? Find out which Roman Empire event is number one. Follow The Top 11 wherever you get your podcasts.